Hey everyone, welcome to the Mother of Monarch podcast. I'm Maxine McCallum, and together we are going on a journey of personal growth, motivation, mindfulness, and self-discovery. Embrace the spirit of resilience and the beauty of transformation as we dive into life, business, friendship, motherhood, and everything in between. Let's get started. Hey guys, I'm here with Victoria Masseling, fellow working mama, a fellow transplant at Tacoma, and one of the coolest people I know. Thanks for being here. Thank you for thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so weird. I was almost going to interrupt you and be like, "It's actually Cantori," but yes, that is my name. Well, my married name is Masseling. That's well, fine. That's I, me. I guess it's Cantori. <laughs> Victoria Cantori Masseling. <laughs> Because well, you took his name, right? I did take his name. I have really mixed feelings about it, oh, which I'm very open with him about. <laughs> um, but I did take his name. I made me. I made Cantori my middle name. Yeah. And then, but I got married right after, like a year after we moved here, and I had just sort of established myself professionally, and so I never changed. I never started going by Victoria Massalink professionally. Yeah. And so I've never gone by Victoria Massalink professionally. So it's weird because, like. Yeah. I have a bifurcated life. <laughs> well, it's almost better that way. I love it. I feel like especially I love in, in what you do, it might actually be a positive thing that they're not the same. I think so. Yeah. Somebody asked me last weekend at like a Halloween party if I was ever like nervous about the safety of my family. And I was like, well, not until you said that. And then yeah. <laughs> so well, I guess for everybody listening, it. we should tell them oh, what yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, 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 so yeah. what do you do? So I'm an assistant U.S. attorney for the Western District of Washington. I am in our general crimes unit. So I uh, basically prosecute federal crimes. And I've been doing that for so I've been at the office. It's kind of a weird. It's kind of a weird story. So I, um, I was brought into the U.S. Attorney's office by my good friend Nick Brown, who is the former U.S. Attorney, and uh, he brought me onto his leadership team. Mm -hmm. And I have always wanted to be a prosecutor. And it's, um, you know, I graduated law school in the midst of like the first historic, never before seen recession. And so they weren't hiring government prosecutors at that mm -hmm. time. And so. I was very excited to come on board the team, um, but it was more of like a policy capacity because I have a policy background. And then he resigned in June to run for state office. And um, the acting U.S. attorney, uh, this woman, Tessa Gorman, who I love, she was kind of like, hey, do you want to prosecute? You always said you wanted to do that. If you do, we should start. So I've only been prosecuting for two months yeah. uh, but I've been at the office like a year and a half but so awesome yeah and I know you're kicking ass and it's Thank so you. cool like I love that a female boss came in kind of and was like hey I see you and I see that you want to be doing this and yeah. so how do we get you there that is like the coolest thing ever this is a woman I cannot so I mean she has been at the U.S. attorney's office since she graduated um since she graduated law school. She's been there over 25 years. She was a later in life mother. I think she had her first kid when she was in her early 40s and she has mm -hmm. three now. And wow. one of them, I, ranging from like, I think 12 to six. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's, and she's just, I, I feel I've had, I, to be honest, I've had a very mixed bag of female supervisors. Mm -hmm. um, and 
she like I saw I I saw a TikTok earlier today that was like it's your worst nightmare to have a female supervisor over forty, and I feel like <laughs> that is something that people say, you know, especially if you're a woman being supervised by a, an older woman. Oh my God, this woman, like, I want to be here when I grow up. Like, she's just, I've never, I mean, you want to talk about balancing motherhood and career. I've mm-hmm. never seen somebody do it as well as she does. She also doesn't sleep and she, like, falls asleep at her computer at night. Okay, fair So, <laughs> you know, she would tell you she doesn't do it well. I think she does it fantastically well. But I think that's kind of how we all feel. We all feel like we're not balancing it yeah, well. And yeah. then other people are looking at us going, you're doing so amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. So it is, that's kind of part of working motherhood is that we feel like we're failing all the time and we feel guilt all the time. Yeah. But everybody else is like, you're doing great. Like you're killing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And I mean, like, I was really nervous to take this job. Um, I remember like, you know, when Nick was talking to me about it, I, Willa had just been born. So I have uh, also, also for listeners, I have a COVID baby. Uh, so she was born in <laughs> April of 2020. And she was probably, like, just over a year old. No, she would have been a little bit older because she had just started day- daycare. Because uh, mm-hmm. daycare, I had finally felt comfortable sending her to daycare. And she was home for, um, you know, COVID. Remember when they used to have to do, like, 10-day quarantines yeah. for COVID? Mm-hmm. And you'd be home with your kid for, like, 10 to 14 days. Yep. So I was done. on one of those, literally, like, on conference calls at my prior job while she was at the park with me, like, just trying to get her out of the house. And Nick was, like, you know, and Nick was texting me about this job. And I was just, like, I don't think you want to take this on. And he's, like, no, don't worry about it. You know, Tessa Gorman, my, you know, my first assistant U.S. attorney, like, she's got kids. And, you know, she leaves at, like, 3 o'clock to pick up her kids. Like, it's a very good working environment mm-hmm. for mothers, you know. And that's one of the things that, you know, drew me to the job, too. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So we talk a lot about like being working moms and how hard that is. Um, what do you think are the things that have made it like easier for you to have kids and work at the same time? What has made it easier? Yeah. Is Absolutely anything, nothing. Nothing. No. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like see, I see you and I feel like you balance it so well. We've talked about the fact that you you show up to absolutely everything. I don't show up to everything. I show up to when I can, what I can. Like that is true. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, but I don't show up to everything. Um, but I think one of the things, you know, look, I mean, I think that there have been so many moments in my career, particularly when I've been um, when I've been presented with a job opportunity, mm. um, where I think to myself, "This is selfish of me to take this. This is I am, you know, I I have young kids at home, um, whether it's one or now two. Like I I can't give any more of myself outside of my home." And the decisions always feel inherently selfish to me, whether or not they actually are. And, you know, in some in many ways, I think being a working mom makes me a better mom. But mm-hmm. um, part of part of the deal that I sort of made myself when I started to have kids was that I would always be as present as possible, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that it's just a commitment that I feel like I've made to them as much as, you know, I've made to my job because I remember what it was like to be looking for your mom in the audience and, you know, or seeing that, you know, my mom was a school teacher, which meant that my mom could never be the room mom. My mom could never volunteer in the middle of her day, the day because she had her own classroom of kids to worry mm-hmm. about. 
And so it's like, yeah, I have no meetings tomorrow by the grace of God. So tomorrow I am going to volunteer for Theo's Halloween party, you know, because I have the capacity to do it. It's rare that I would. And but then on Thursday and Friday, um, I will be in Seattle. I'll be on complaints duty and he'll be lucky if he sees me before he goes to bed. You know, yeah, (laughs) it's like that's the balance. Right. Like, So I need to get better about that because I generally kind of keep myself out of the school stuff and I I guess you kind of have to pick and choose a little bit yeah why is that (laughs) um I think it's just that I prefer to spend that time with my kids at home and I think I still have this stigma against myself of being like a relatively young mom and I sort of feel like an imposter Mm. among the moms and the parents at school um and so I don't really feel like I belong or like I don't really know a ton of people my kids started going to school during like a weird time like they started going to the school that they're at now um it was just Theo and it was 2021 no, I think they started. I think our Theos started at the same time. Yeah. I think it was like because it was the only school that was open. Oh, so it was fall of 2020. It was fall of 2020. And so, no, we weren't going to the classrooms. Yeah. Like yeah. there wasn't there wasn't a way to meet the other parents. Yeah. And I was so busy yeah. and had a newborn and a one and a half year old. And it just I just wasn't going into the school and meeting other parents. Yeah. And then as it started to become, you know, easier to go into the school or whatever, it just wasn't something that I had like worked my way into. And then it seemed like all the other parents had already sort of had their little friend groups. Yeah. Um, And also the school, I feel like makes it so complicated to figure out when you should be where. Like, yeah. I love to just receive an email, but they have, like, seven different apps yeah. and how to figure out. And you have to go to the class page and you have to look here. And then sometimes it's in the Friday email that gets sent out, but sometimes it's not. And so it's, I feel like, kind of hard to figure out when I need to be somewhere. Yeah. And when I do find out about it, I do try to show up now. Yeah. Um, partially because you said to me, like, you know, or I see in you that you show up to that stuff. I'm like, yeah, I should probably go. And then the times that I have gone seeing my kid's face and it's like, he's so happy that I'm there. Yeah. But I didn't have the parents that showed up either. So it's something that I'm kind of having to learn. Right. Yeah. Where you felt like, Hey, I don't see my parents. I just never really thought about it that much. Like whether my parents were or weren't there. And so I, I didn't really think about it there either. Like to me, I want to spend the time with my kids like one-on-one more, but I recognize that I need to like, they need to see me show up to their school stuff, even though I do show up to like games and take oh, yeah, them to practice yeah, and yeah. all of that. But yeah. I do see where I just need to be better at showing up to the school stuff and like trying to make mom friends with the kids in their class. Well, I mean, let's not get ahead of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do feel like it's important, right? Because I, I have gone this long without really – doing play dates like I'll do play dates I know that has been so interesting you never do play dates I feel like I was forcing play dates upon you no I I love to do play dates where I know the mom yeah but I really hate to do play dates where I don't know the mom and then I have to sit there and make awkward conversation with somebody that I wouldn't naturally oh, yeah enjoy time with and so I I want to do play dates with people where 
my kid gets along with the kid. Yeah. And I get along with the mom. No, there's absolutely nothing fucking worse than other kids' parents. And I've done I've done Generally, generally, I think that that is true. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really hard. I think, first of all, just going back, I will say that as somebody who I tried to take advantage, because I was also excited to have, like, a school-age kid. And it was, so I tried to take advantage of, like, all of the stuff that the kids at, at you know, Theo's former school, your current school, yeah. had. Um, and I, I would just say that uh, seeing the caliber of parents who were constantly there, um, I don't think you have anything to feel insecure about, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's like, one thing that I've noticed is that like, I'm not a perfect parent. I know I don't pretend to be a perfect parent, but the people who I think really fancy themselves like ideal caregivers, mothers, fathers, whatever, they're weird half the time. <laughs> and they're like also doing it in a way that feels very unnatural to me and yeah. would feel, I think, very unnatural to my parents, um, to, to my kids rather, not to my parents. My parents don't give a shit. Um, well, that's not true. But anyway, and you know, so yeah, I wouldn't let go of some of the imposter syndrome, I guess, is what I would well, try I guess, to and express. And that is, I'm comparing myself to people who are stay-at-home moms. Yeah. So I'm comparing myself to people who have the time to make the Pinterest snack, to be there at every drop-off and pick-up, to be there at, you know, and I do most of the drop-offs You do and most of the drop-off and pick-ups. Totally. But, like, they're on top of it all the time. Usually I am, like, blowing in there, like, at 328, the last possible yeah. minute to pick up my kid because I'm like late because I've had a full day of whatever else. Yeah. And like mine are just like kind of waiting there. The last ones to be picked up. You know, like I just I have to I do have to give myself grace and learn to let go of like what I'm what my mind is competing with is somebody who is a stay at home parent who has all day to do other things and then come pick up their kid and be super present, have like a snack ready when they're home, yeah. but all that stuff. And I can't volunteer at all of the school functions. Yeah. I can't be there for everything, but I'm there in other ways. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing though. I mean, like the balance that you've created for yourself is just a different type of balance that I've created for myself. Because my yeah. kids, for instance, were always in and currently are uh, yeah, as of the past 30 minutes in after school care, yeah. you know, and you never had the boys in after school care. You yeah. always picked them up at 310 or close, <laughs> 328. close to it or 328 <laughs> as the situation may be, you know, and and you also have an environment to take them to in the farm and even in the Yakima house that is, you know, ideal for them to do things that are outside the house that are, you know, enriching in other ways. You yeah. know, if I were to pick my kid up at 310, and I mean, I, I, I do this. I did this on Friday. They're home. They have a processed snack of some kind, often several, to keep <laughs> them off, off my back. And then they veg in front of the TV for like legitimately 60 
plus minutes. Like, I mean, you know, I'm trying to make dinner get while I'm trying to make dinner while I'm trying to finish writing emails. So it's like for me, the cost benefit analysis is, well, at least I know that if you're in after school care, you're with other kids, you're running around all this stuff because like. It's if I pick you up at three, it's going to be like peace going to my office. I'll see you in, you know, 90 minutes. And like, that's not fair to them either. So, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like we're all figuring out where we can fit it in, you know. And one great thing about being a lawyer is that you sort of make your own hours, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's like I know that I can do this stuff and then work for an hour at night when they go to bed or like early in the morning, you know, something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, but that requires so much, what is the word? Like, you have to really force yourself to do that, right? Yes. It's like, it would yeah. be very easy to be like, hey, I'm going to take this hour here, and then you're, like, tired at night, yeah. and you're like, oh, crap. No, like, like now 60% I'm- of the time, it works every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What it- so we were talking about the other day about how it's been really hard to make mom friends. Yeah. And yeah. Sort of the clicks. Fre- I would. I mean, I would even take mom. I would take just friends. friends. It's hard to make friends. Well, so you and I are both transplants. Yes. You came here from California. Yes. And I came here from, I mean, Georgia, Germany by way Germany. of Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been here for 10, ten years. years. I've been here for, I was in Georgia for a year. So I've been in Washington for five years. Yeah. And I feel like you said you were just now starting to make friends. Yes. And I feel like I'm just now starting to make friends. Yeah. I feel like it's partially a Tacoma thing. Yeah. But partially also a working mom thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that so I, yeah, I kind of look at it. It was almost like pre-COVID, post-COVID. So when when we first moved to Tacoma, um, both Luke and I had jobs in Olympia. I was working for the Senate. He was working for a legislative agency down there. And then we would, you know, commute back to Tacoma and this would be like our weekend base, you know. And so we had the, you know, this very separate life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was hard logistically um, to make friends because it was like we weren't in Tacoma all that often. And, you know, then on top of it, between January and March or April, I would just disappear because I was doing the legislative session and my hours would go to, you know, 10, 12, 16 hour days, like, you know, um, and uh, and often weekends. And so I just wasn't around. So it was it was like this fits and starts thing when we first moved here, you know, and I don't know. I probably have two to three friends that I am still in contact with. Social friends. I have Mm -hmm. work friends that I made during that time. But socially, like Mm -hmm. in terms of when I was really like, you know, out pump like pounding pavement for friends, (laughs) I would say that I probably have two to three from that period. Because I feel like you it's a it's dating, right? It's dating for adults. And it does feel like this numbers game. And I remember Luke would always be like, oh, I don't know about so-and-so. I don't know if I want to go out to dinner. Like, they don't seem like the type. They don't. 
And I'm like, you think I'm you think I'm having fucking fun right now? You think that I want to have these like initial conversations over and over? Yeah. Like, buddy, this is the plight of the woman. Like, I'm trying to create our social sphere, you yeah. know? And I'm not a particularly I came from, you know, I grew up in LA. I went back to law school to LA. I had like groups of friends, of good friends from leftover from elementary school, high school, law school. Um, and work yeah. that I left behind in Los Angeles. Like, I wasn't looking to make new friends. Yeah. I had to make myself vulnerable in a way that was very uncomfortable to me. And you kind of try people on and, um, you know, you're so desperate for connection that you're like, all right, well, I'll stick around with this person and see, you know, and like, this isn't somebody that I would have been friends with, but yeah. like, let's just see. And like, oh, well, you know, like so-and-so did you, they went to the University of Michigan. Luke, you went to the University <laughs> of Michigan. You can just talk about that. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> and so it, it was really hard. It was really yeah. hard. And then COVID hit. Um, oh, and then the other thing, I thought that, like, once you have a kid, then you just, like, whore the kid out to, like, yeah. to, to other kids for playdates. Yeah. And then magically, like, your friends will appear. You know, my I parents would always, thing. my parents would always be like, you know, my dad would be like, oh, no, like, you're, once they start going to school, you know, then you're going to start making friends. Okay, well, I was a working mom. My kid was in daycare at 11 weeks old. So where are they? Yeah. You know, and um, I will say from that period, there are I there is a couple that followed us to school too mm -hmm. that we are that I would say I'm still friends with, and the kids are still friends and things like that. But like even then, it was like people were not thirsting for connection in the way that I thought. Mm -hmm. And I do think you know, in terms of the Tacoma thing, I think it's because this. Tacoma reminds me so much of where I'm from in L.A. because it's like people are born here, they grow up here, they might leave for college or they might leave for Seattle for, for, a, few, for a few years, but by and large, they come back here. Yeah, to raise know, a family. To raise a family. Yeah. And um, because it's a great place to raise a family, it like is. bar none, you know. Yeah. But I think that that means that they are not looking to expand their friend bases yeah. necessarily. And, you know, not because they're bad people or because they have malintent in some way. No, that's comfortable. But just, yeah, it's just like wh why I have six friends that I went to, you know, Bellarmine or what have you with. Like, <laughs> yeah. why, do I need, why do I need a new person? And, you know, so then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And we're all sort of hunkered down in the same place. And I think that's when, like, all of a sudden, I, I was lucky in that, you know, I moved to a neighborhood with, like, a couple of, of women that I connected with close by, mm -hmm. you know, across the street, right down the street. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, this is, this is working out. Everything felt very tentative. Um, and I think also being forced to be home, working from home, suddenly I was more present in the community in mm -hmm. a way that I can make those connections. But I don't think that I had, I, I, you know, Luke always says like, well, yeah, we didn't have friends until the last three years. And I think that's <laughs> largely true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, when you're working so much, it's so hard to make time for other people. Then when you have kids, you realize how important it is 
to have other people. Yeah. And then you go looking for other people, but that mixed with very little time and then being in a place where people generally have their friend groups already, it's really hard to be consistent to then make those close friends. Totally. And I always feel like the working mom versus the stay-at-home mom, like both are hard in different ways. But I've always been sort of jealous of how easily those stay-at-home moms are able to – I think it's easier for them to, like, meet other moms once kids go to school. I think before it's really tough because you're just at home with your infant. Yeah. But once they go to school, like, they are doing the volunteering or they're able to organize playdates or all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I see, like – I get kind of like jealous and I should probably do something about it. I'm not jealous, but just like a little bit sad or like feel a little pain or something because I'll see, you know, some of the moms in my kid's grade like hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, I know all of you, but I don't get invited to that stuff. And it's because they're, I think, all stay-at-home moms. Yeah. And then I've had them say to me like, oh, you're so busy, you know? And it's like, I'd still like to be invited and like I'll try to make time. Yeah. But they just don't even invite you because I think they think you're so busy. Yeah. No, I think that that's definitely true. And I I really felt like that happened a lot, again, when I was, especially when I was in Olympia, because you're just like, you're invited to stuff and you constantly have to say no, Mm -hmm. you know? And because it's like, I'm not going to be in town, you know? I remember like perfect example, um, you know, Brittany was Mm -hmm. one of the, the women that I met within the first couple of years of being here, but it was very rare for us to find time to ever connect because she was also working she was working I was in Olympia and I remember when she had her son and he was a little younger than Theo um and even we lived right down the street she would be like oh after you pick up Theo do you want to you know do you want to come over for a play date because like that was the time that you had you know that she had Mm -hmm. And it was like, well, by the time I pick up Theo from daycare, it's between 5 and 5.30. I got to get him home. I got to get him fed. And then I'm flipping him around for bedtime between yep. by 7 p.m. Like, yep. I can't do a play, you know. And it was – and I had to say to, no to her a number of times. And it always – so it it was this weird time where it was like just by circumstances of logistics, we mm-hmm. were always on the precipice of a friendship that could never fully develop, yeah. you know? And I think that that really happens. I'll tell you a funny story. I've never told you this. Oh, no. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> I remember when, cause again, like I was so excited for Theo to start school. So when he started at the kids school in 2020, I was like, well, maybe this is gonna be it. Like this is gonna be my moment and I am going to be social and like dig deep and all this stuff. And I remember I was dropping him off once and seeing you because you're a very, you know, it's for Tacoma, it's you're a very striking 5'10 Eastern European former model. So it's hard to miss. It's hard to miss you. It's hard to miss you dallying about in the neighborhood. And you were leaving. You had just must have just dropped off Theo. I think you must have just had miles because like somebody was in a a stroller. Yeah. And you left with like the group of the cool hot moms. (laughs) And you guys went on a walk around the neighborhood. Oh, my God. I have to tell you my side of the story, but keep going. (laughs) And I remember like I went home to Luke because, you know, we were working from home together. Great for a marriage. And I was like. 
oh my god, there's like this group of cool like stroller moms and they're all going for a walk around the neighborhood and like, you know, and I don't remember if well, Willa must have been born by then and I was just like, and you know, I'm just going alone or it's like, you know, anyway, yeah. That's hilarious because so I was um on the green trike like council to plan their gala thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that must have been right at the beginning of the school year. It I'm was. Sure it it was. was. It was like September of the school year. But I had so, such a visceral memory. It probably what, was. <laughs> this is hilarious because so one of those moms was also on the board, and or not board. I'm not on the board. The council. Yeah. And so we went around as like an icebreaker. And it was like, what is the most like COVID inappropriate thing you've done? And so I said, you know, I sent my kids to summer camp this summer at the school that they're at. Yeah. And so this woman reached out to me and said, you know, hey, like, are you are your kids at X school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are mine privately in the separate chat on Zoom. And so then somehow we ended up exchanging information through this Zoom meeting. Yeah. And she invited me to go for a walk with them. Well, what I didn't realize is that they were the best of friends. And well, you could, yeah, you could see that. They were like the plastics for moms. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And, but so I'm like, in, and I didn't realize I was like third wheeling on these like best friends. And I felt so out of place. So it's hilarious that you thought that because we went on this walk and essentially like they already knew everything about each other. Yeah. And were kind of just asking me questions. Yeah. And I felt so out of place the whole time because I'm like a working mom that took the morning off to like try to make mom friends. And by the way, I was never invited to do another walk again. So then like (laughs) beyond this walk, okay, like I see them going for a walk the next week. I'm like, I wasn't invited back. I didn't pass the test. Isn't that so (laughs) true? Oh my God. I know this. So the same thing happened to me. That's so funny. No, and in so my it's mind, it's funny that you're like you're seeing this first walk where I literally ha- am like sweating bullets and have hives because I'm anxious because I'm like, oh my god, I finally got invited to go to like a mom yeah, thing. Yeah, and you're seeing this and thinking that there's some cool, but I wasn't invited back. I wasn't a cool mom. <laughs> okay, that's what I mean. It's like it's like you're friggin' dating. Like, and so I had a similar thing happen to me. So when we first moved into the house, you know how they do that little neighborhood Fourth of July. Yes. Okay. So hold on. What time? Okay. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we go to neighborhood 4th of July and I was all excited again because I was like, oh my God, we're going to meet, like, I'm going to meet the neighbors. This is going to be so fun. And so I made, there were two women there who had sons a little older than Theo. So they're like, you know, and so we're talking and we're like, oh, you know, where'd you move in? It turns out they had grown up across the street from our current house, both of them, like in separate houses, but essentially across the street. And so they take my number and like for a short time, there was like a brief time that we were like text friends. And I was like, oh my God, like this is like, okay. You know, and you're so nervous and you're overthinking every text. And like, then, um, I get invited to a, uh, a game night at one of their friends houses in, uh, Lakewood. And I was like, oh my God, like this is happening. Like I'm in, I'm in, like, this is going to be amazing. (laughs) And so I'm so excited. And, you know, Theo's, you know, a year and a half old. And 
And so we go out there and I I think I put on what was a good performance. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I brought it socially. I thought, you know, the jokes were hitting. Yeah. I was, you know, the conversation was life flowing. Life of the party. I, you know, well, I wouldn't say the life of, but I was at least, you know, not a bummer. And <laughs> then... Um, and then uh, similarly, I never heard from that girl again for like a year or two. Um, now, she's if she listens to this, she's going to die. Now <laughs> she is one of my good friends, has become one of my good friends. And it turns out she was secretly having a baby that she didn't tell anybody oh. she was pregnant with. And she just like basically just hunkered down and didn't see anybody for most of COVID because she was secretly pregnant. And okay. so, but it's very funny because, and there was... You know, and that party, this was now five years ago. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to uh, two years, a year and a half ago, two years ago. I remember at that party, I had met somebody who I really hit it off with. Um, and I was just like, God, this the rapport is great. This is going really well. I really like this person. And then I never saw that woman again. Then, like, a year and a half ago, at the beginning of the summer, I go to another, a, a, you know, like, some other event. I forget where. And this this other woman is there. And I said, I think that I met your sister or something. And I'm talking to her. And we got along really well. And um, it was this very rare, you know, like, you and Brittany talk about, like, those ra- very rare connections with women where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my God, we have been friends forever and I just met you. Like, mm-hmm. that's the type of connection that I had with this woman. And I was like, I feel like I might have met your sister. And she's like, Buh. she's describing the sisters because there's a couple of them. And I was like, no, I don't think that's it. But that's so funny. So we become friends and we come, you know, and at one point she's like, are we soulmates? And I said, I think we are. <laughs> and then I figured out she was the woman from that game night. Oh, that's so like funny. literally <laughs> three years before that I had just never seen. And like life just kind of moved on. And it's just like, yeah, it's just one of those weird things where like it's it's been such fits and starts to make friends in yeah. this friggin' town, you yeah. know? And it's really hard and I have to dig deep um to you know, to be social. And sort of in a way that I I never had before. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what's impressive about you is that because you're the reason that you and I are friends, you just like reached out and asked me to go have coffee. Yeah, because like, yeah, that was scary as shit. And (laughs) it was really terrifying. And because part of it was like, I would see you, you know, you and Glenn would walk the boys to school every day and I would drive past you every single day. And like, I remember we would have like sometimes little conversations and it was just like, this feels weird that we're not, but like, how do you approach just somebody that you mean? Like, oh, let me give you my phone number. Like, I don't know what to do there, you know? And so, but then it took another friend saying, oh, no, Maxine was at a thing. I think you'd really like her. She says she's really shy. Like, mm. just reach out to Max. Just reach out to her. Uh, and so I did, but it was terrifying. Yeah. And then we had a great time. But afterwards, I replayed everything that I said in that conversation to make sure that it wasn't weird. Me too. Isn't that so funny? <laughs> well, and, and ultimately... As I'm going to do with this podcast. It's so much easier <laughs> to, like... First of all, it's so much easier to make friends with people who are also transplants. Yes. Because I think everybody's looking like looking for, for connection. Yes. yes. But I think that most moms, and we 
take it all on ourselves. But I think that most moms would be happy for the connection, but they feel like us where they're like hesitant to reach out yeah. or like be annoying or don't want to get rejected or whatever. So I think everybody's actually, there's something about being a mom that where you seek connection from other people because you need like your tribe to get mm -hmm. through it. Mm -hmm. And the times that I felt insecure about my parenting or something my kids are doing, whatever, a conversation with a friend yeah. who also has kids has been able to help me through that. Yeah. So I think we're ultimately all feeling the same way. Like we just want to find the people who like get it. Yeah. And we feel so insecure about like reaching out or what those conversations were. And it's so easy because life moves so fast with kids for those connections to be missed because you meet up and then, you know, maybe those moms felt like I didn't want to hang out with them again. And so they didn't invite me on a walk. Yeah. Maybe it would have been in my hands to be like, hey, let's hang out and do this other thing. You yeah. know, so here I am feeling insecure because I'm seeing them go do things with other people and I'm not invited, but I should invite them to do something. And I will say, like, I think that maybe I've just invited the wrong people because when I was still married, especially like I invited people to do things all the time. Like we would have parties and events and yeah, get togethers yeah. at our house and we invited people all the time yeah. and they never invited us back to other things. And that to me was like, I don't know, was sad. Like there were so many people that have been to my house, come to my Oktoberfest parties, yeah, yeah, yeah. our store opening, whatever that have had events that didn't invite me to their stuff. And so then I just didn't reach out for further connection because I'm yeah. like, I've invited you to my house three times. You had an event and didn't invite me. So like, I'm not going to keep inviting you. Yeah. And I think that that's honestly, I think that that's like a totally fair thing to do. I mean, that's because I, because again, it's, I spent the first five years plus years that we were here doing the same thing. We, we tried to. Because, you know, Luke and I were really social in L.A. And mm -hmm. we would have Oscars parties and we would have, you know, just it was con like Luke and I used to fight about saying no to things because I would say <laughs> that I was like overstretched socially. And Luke was like, Ma, come on, we have to go support so and so, you know, and like uh, so to go from, you know, 60 to zero, we would still try to create that. And we were inviting people that, again, we thought maybe. Mm -hmm. And. It took me a while to be comfortable with the idea that I would rather be alone with, you know, myself or with my husband or children and children when, you know, but this was before I had them, than have these forced ass conversations yeah. with people that I only half like, that mm -hmm. I'm talking myself into feeling like I have something in common with. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing as working moms, but just as, you know, busy adults in general, whether you have kids or not, I'll tell you what I don't have the mental or emotional capacity for. And that's like to bullshit myself into a relationship that doesn't actually exist. Yeah, because then it drains you more than it fuels you. Yes. And what you need from these connections is to be fueled. Yes. Yes. So I'm always just like, hey, man, you know, especially now that I feel like my circle of women has gotten larger, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that my circle of close friends has has exponentially grown. Mm -hmm. You know, it feels like I have I've been lucky enough to develop a core of, you know, my mom was always say if you can count, if you can count your friends on one hand, you're lucky. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm about there. But yeah. the people that I can count on that one hand 
are people like you, people like, you know, that we have in common. I don't know if they want to be named by name, like, you know, but that I would feel comfortable, you know, with you picking the kids up from school. I've done the same for your boys. Like, that's the level of connection at this stage of my life that I have time for. Mm -hmm. Because those are similarly the people where the connection is deep enough that when I disappear, for weeks, months at a time because yeah. our schedules don't align. They're not going to give a shit. Yeah. You know, but those fake friends, those like have these people who are still sizing you up and still trying to figure out like what are, what are you bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. You know, like what are you doing for me? Those are the ones that I feel like are going to keep score with you on, well, I haven't heard from her or what, you know? Yes. And so it's like, just let them go, man. Totally. And and I think it is easier to let them go once you have found your core few. I know. And right? that's true. So like, I'm saying when this you're from a very different alone, place. Because yes. yes. I think both of us years ago, yeah. when you're completely alone, it feels really, really hard to let those go because you're like, okay, well, then I'm just left with no one. And yeah. I'm, I have the same perspective as you do. It's like, well, I'd rather be alone than have these fake connections. But that's easier said than done. Yes. Because when you're feeling so alone yes. and you're like sitting home with your kid for the X night in a row and you're like, what do I do? It's really hard. But once you can find like, it's even just like the one friend. Yeah. Right. You have the one. And from there, it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm like good. And yeah. And then you organically start collecting people. Yeah. It's almost like they say about love, right? Like when you're not looking for it, you'll find it. And it's the same with friendships. Like my favorite and closest friendships have been like happy accidents. Yeah. No, I think that that's absolutely true. You know, and I think the the other thing though, and and this is why, we, you know, we have to acknowledge I'm in a very different situation from you is that you are also going through a divorce. And yeah. so you, you know, uh, you are in a different place emotionally where having people around means something different to you than it does for me. You know, because yeah. I am living with someone who I am giving, you know, so much of myself. It's because it's like, you know, it's it's not just a matter of being a, like I've got a job. I've got my kids and I've got to protect my marriage. Like yeah. I've got a lot of stuff running through my head, making sure that I'm present for Luke. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, so it's easy for me to be like, well, I'd rather curl up and watch The Real Housewives than I would like go to that new weird bar that opened up across <laughs> from the nail place. That's oh so awful. You know that place that I mean? I know exactly it's the place. It's so upsetting. It's really bad. I, yeah. It's so, <laughs> this is a whole nother conversation. Um, so I bad. really, I <laughs> half tempted to write out a whole list of everything that's wrong with it and that they need to change and leave the first two bullet points so that they can read it and blur out the rest and be like, pay me for the rest, <laughs> <laughs> it's the rest of the ideas. But like, so that's the thing. It's like, I, I think that you are just in a different, tougher spot too. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the story around all of that. And I was trying really hard before the divorce to make a lot of those connections. I think in part, I was looking for connection because I was also feeling lonely in my marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was really hard because when you're perceived as a strong woman. Yeah. People don't feel like you need support. Right. Yeah. And so the way that I have shown up for other friends of mine that have gone through a divorce. Yeah. 
I don't feel that people in my life have shown up for me that way. And I don't even blame them. I think it's because I present as a very strong human being and because I'm working so much and because I like have so many balls in the air that people don't feel like they need to come support me. And I don't let people see that. Like that's on me. I don't let people see me break down ever. Yeah. yeah. And so people look at it and go, she's good. Like it was always like that when my parents were going through their divorce, when everything was going to shit in my life and my family when I was a kid, I once overheard my mom on the phone and, and the person on the other line asked something like, how, well, how are the kids? And my mom said, oh, Maxine's totally fine. But Luca is struggling with X, Y, and Z. That's my brother. And it sort of bothered me as a kid. Yeah. Because I was like, well, I have to be fine. Yeah. But I'm not fine. But yeah. I have to be. And it's the same now. It's like people, I'm, because of that as a child, I now try to be so strong. And because I want to help other people with whatever they're going through, I don't want to put whatever I'm going through on anybody else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't say it. Yeah. And then people don't feel like maybe I need support. So I I spent a little bit of time feeling sorry for myself and going, well, nobody is reaching out to see if I'm okay. Yeah. Nobody's reaching out to support. I am, you know, across an ocean from family. I have literally no one. Yeah. And in the last couple of months, I've been like, no, you know what? I haven't let anyone in. I haven't. I don't feel comfortable to like be like, hey, I'm really struggling. Like, I'm not okay. I did write you at one point. It was like, hey, I'm really struggling. I remember that. And you were like, I'm really worried. Like, you know, what can I do? Yeah. I wrote you out. Like, I was kind of falling into like a more depressive state. Yeah. Um, no, I think you texted me after the fact. Yeah, that's true. Because I think you had gone radio silent for a little while on me. Yeah, I do do that. Like, yeah. I withdraw. When I'm in a yeah. depressive state, I for sure yeah. withdraw. Well, and th and that's the thing is, so, so much of what you're saying is resonating with me because not only am I like that, and that's always the role that I played in my family, was like, you know, well because I'm the youngest by a lot, but it was always like, well, but she's got it together. So like, yeah. don't worry about her. Like, you know, she's, she'll be fine. And it was kind of like, well, the squeaky wheel gets the grease type of mm -hmm. situation. And, you know, I think when you, you know, and I, and I also have a tendency, I don't like to ask for help and I don't like to be a bother to people, right? Like Same. I don't like, I don't like to feel like, my feelings are in any way inconveniencing them. You don't want to burden anyone. Yes. And it's really taken me probably, and this is, I think, one of the gifts of having children when you acknowledge that you can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. And um, and I know you've had these conversations with me where you're like, I'm offering you the help. Mm -hmm. You need to take the help, mm -hmm. you know? And I've done the same to you, I think, yeah. with the kids. But I, I think when you were going through all that, I remember really distinctly thinking this, just because I know, I knew what you and your marriage, it was, it was something different in the community. You own businesses together. Um, you know, I think you, you you both look you're both like these gorgeous people and you have these gorgeous children and it looks from the outside like everything would have been perfect mm -hmm. right and so when it all fell apart I remember thinking and talking you know to Luke about this too like and just talk like thinking through it like it must have been so devastating 
in a way to like to even acknowledge that not only was this happening between the two of you, but probably feeling and understanding that people had that impression of you Mm -hmm. and to be letting go of that as well. You nailed it. That was one of the hardest parts. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that would make you vulnerable in such a way that I remember just being like, I, you know, feeling very strongly like I'm going to do whatever I can to be there for Maxine and you, Luke, you're going to be in charge of checking in on Glenn. Yeah. You know, because the other thing was like, oh, people don't know how to react to the, you know, like to the men and who can you be like, give me a fucking break. We're all adults. Like every, like just talk to them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you know, like go to the store, buy the alcohol, go home. Like it's not a big friggin' deal. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. And so I just really felt for you during that time. And, but it was, it, it did feel like, you know, in the way that I imagine when I am in a tough spot for my friends, pulling it out of me, it felt like I was pulling water from a stone. Sometimes there were a few times that you got, vulnerable yeah but I'm learning that right that's like part of therapy is like learning yeah. to be vulnerable but like you I've I struggled to feel like I've said it this way like I'm just now learning that I it's okay for me to take up space and it's okay like that I'm even worth the air I breathe right yeah. like prior to all of this I didn't feel like I was even worth the air I yeah. was breathing and so I'm slowly getting to a point and with certain people trusting that they're going to be there for me and that me not being yeah. perfect yeah. is still going to be okay. Yes. Yeah. And you're one of those people, but there's been other people where when I stop being perfect, because yeah. I have this like, I need to be perfect all the time. Yeah. Then they go away. Yeah. And so it's like kind of feeling out who's going to be there, who's going to be yeah. there and who's a true friend, because if there's a break in whatever I'm showing and presenting. Yeah they're still going to be there and they'll be like, no, I got you. Like, it's okay. And I've always loved and appreciated that about you because you were like that. And you, you did check in on me even when I went radio silent and you have always had my back. And I think I posted something a while back and it was like, take care of the relationships or the people that have your back in a room you're not in or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And you are definitely one of those people. Like you you will stand up for what's right and you will have your friends back when they're not in the room. And that's really, really important. Thank you. I mean, well, that's, I think, you know, that's what really bothered me about that time period to my core Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. was that, look, marriage is really hard. And anybody who says that it isn't hard is probably like, their marriage is probably empty in a way that they haven't even emotionally dealt yes. with yet, to yeah. be perfectly yeah. honest, you know? And yeah. um, so it was just such a time where it was like, this could be any one of us. Yeah. This could be any one of us in this little idyllic town by the sea whose fucking marriage all of a sudden, unbeknownst to anybody, implodes because, you know, things in our house were silently terrible for longer than people realized. Yeah. And, like, I would hope that everyone would have the grace to understand that that isn't an indictment on anybody involved, regardless of the behavior or whatever caused it. Yeah. Um, and it was very, 
it, it just really upset me to my core that the reactions, some of the reactions there, yeah. you know, and, and I think, you know, but I think what you're saying is so true in that, like, you know, making feeling like, oh, my gosh, I can be safe with people is so scary and so hard. And like even now when I do feel like I have this like, you know, small core of close friends, I have these moments where I'm like, if I show them too much of myself, mm -hmm. this is all going to fall to pieces. Yeah. You know, like I especially because I hadn't had it for so long, mm -hmm. you know, it was like all of a sudden are the invitations going to stop? Am I going to, you know, because God knows I don't know how to keep my mouth shut. Am I going to give, <laughs> I love that. Part am, of I gonna, you. am I going to give an opinion that suddenly is too far? Am I going to make a joke? That is too off color, you know. Well, but <laughs> like, and I, but I hate that because I feel the same way, and there are very few people like you're one of the people. Brittany's one of the people. There are a handful of other people where I know that even if I were to say or do something, it would be a conversation versus just like yeah, alienation. versus just cut you off. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it it breaks my heart that there are because I know those friendships that where it's like you just aren't quite sure yet, and that's an uncomfortable yeah. place to be. No, it's super. It's super, super uncomfortable, you know? Um, but I, you know, and I also think that it's just, the other thing that I think people don't like, they haven't gotten comfortable with, I don't know if it's like a cultural thing. I've, you know, I've talked to my mom about this and I always, I always say this like culturally. I mean, my mom is Italian from Brooklyn, which I guess is her own culture. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, people aren't comfortable with the idea of just having acquaintances either. Yeah. Like everybody either thinks that like, you're a best friend and you owe me everything or you owe me nothing and you're dead to me. And yeah. it's like, there are people, you know, I, like just because I am not inviting you out to dinner doesn't mean that I don't like you as a person. Like we can just be acquaintances and that be cool. And like, it doesn't mean that I have any shit with you or vice versa. And like, it's, and that seems to be another thing where it's just like, ugh. People just need to let people be. I know. It's true. <laughs> I think the lessons learned from this, though, really are if you're feeling like you want a closer connection with somebody, right, just yeah. just, just reach do out. It. Yeah. Because likely they're feeling the same way and they don't know how to yeah. reach out. Yeah. And then, I mean, the, the theme of it all, right, just like let people be and be supportive where you can. Yeah. I mean, I think my, my whole, th like, you know, I don't know. Um, the way that I am trying to live at this point, especially because it is a town that is smaller and a community that's smaller, um, and that presumably we're all going to be around each other for a while, which mm -hmm. really freaks me out. Yeah. Like when and we bought the house, yeah, it's like, you know, when we bought the house in 2020 at the interest rates that we did, and now that we will never be able to leave, like, <laughs> it's, you know we're all gonna be there a long time. And so I just feel like just people just need to treat people with a little bit of kindness, a little bit of grace, like give each other, you know, some room to make mistakes, to apologize for those mistakes. Um, and it's ultimately not that hard. It's not. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But I guess it is sometimes.
but you're one of those amazing humans. Well, so are you. And I really appreciate you coming on, giving everyone yeah. your wisdom. And if you're a mom that's been wanting to have, be friends with somebody. Just pick up the phone. Take this as your just sign. Just slide into those DMs. And just... Victoria and I are always open for more friends. I don't know. I have, <laughs> I have a pretty... I have a pretty full dance card these days. All right, well, lucky you. I've, I have just cut out a bunch of toxic people out of my life, and so I am open for invitations and friendships. I'm just really okay? stressed out right now. I don't know if I can. Right, she just took on a new job. It's, it's a lot, but me, I am open Maxine, to new friendships. her DMs are open. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> thanks for being here. Yeah, I love you. Thanks You're for the best. having me. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs>Thanks so much for listening to the Mother of Monarch podcast. I always say, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So if you have any comments or know who you want to hear next, send me a message at motherofmonarch at outlook.com or Instagram at motherofmonarch. I always love to hear from you. I'm sending you strength and positivity for your week ahead. Catch you next time.